0: Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined as always by Tebby Prisavere. Hello, hello Sam. So we're recording this on transfer deadline day. Uh, It's towards the end of deadline day, so hopefully we've got a good idea of what's going on. Uh, It was the FA Cup at the weekend, so it's a bit of an unusual episode. Might be a little bit like... uh, so sort of the last week of school before Christmas.
1: Even Wrexham couldn't embrace the full magic of the cup. They it got some magic of the cup, but they didn't embrace... They didn't go full a full magic of the cup, you know? It was pretty magical. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, but then I also don't know how I feel about Paul Mullen dropping down from, like, League One to, to
0: National League. But I, I think there might be some more behind that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's happened before, hasn't it? Like, with Salford, but... It feels like Wrexham are doing it a bit nicer. They feel a bit nicer, there's a bit more of a better mood and also the club was in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it feels uh, a bit more
1: community-driven as well, you know. I I I think it's good, everything that's going on there. I think um, it's easy to be a hater these days. Oh, know? and
0: it's so easy.
1: Watching two people fall in love with the sport that you've been obsessed with is kind of a nice thing to witness anyway, you know.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they'll be bringing a lot of eyes to it from uh, from the USA, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: the US of A, baby. <laughs> Very okay, nice. Well, that was a... A weird Wrexham well, tangent
0: a, there, sorry. Magic of the Cup. As well as the Wrexham match, the big game... Probably the big game, I suppose you'd say, is uh, the Arsenal Man City match. Uh, 1-0 Man City from, from Nathan Ake. Quite Quite a weird match because City... Pretty much put their full strength side out, apart from Edison, and then it felt like Arsenal were kind of okay with not getting through. Um, When you think that City have better depth than Arsenal, it kind of feels like a smart move long term to just sod off the FA Cup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was still a strong. It was still a strong team from Arsenal. It was. It was good to you know, and it was a very good performance. Um, Definitely not full strength for anything, obviously. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting psychological battle more than anything. Because realistically, you know, it was, it was Man City, arguably Man City's strongest team. But then you've always got the question of Man City: what is their strongest team? First off, um, and then in terms of the actual psychological battle of, of what it means for the league, it's a bit frustrating that the first encounter this season between Arsenal and City has been in the FA Cup. It's a little bit devastating. I know it wasn't a full-strength Arsenal team, but do you think there could be some psychological sort of implications or extra pressure on the first league game now for Arsenal? Do, do you think it affects things in any way? Well, I think
0: this is what Mikel Arteta has been really good at is uh getting players motivated for everything and he um it reminded me a lot of the game against Man United where um you know the first game against Man United where Arsenal played really really well, um but ended up losing 3-1. United played really well uh, as well. It was just one of those games where it felt like every every attack United had ended up in a goal pretty much. And then, as well, to notice that the fact that Arsenal did go one 0 up, but it got um, it got ruled out by VAR, which they've since admitted uh, was a mistake. It was one of six mistakes outlined by PGMOL when uh, Howard Webb came in. Um, so there was a lot of like. There's a lot of positives to take from the loss to Man United and I feel like the game against Man City also is something that you could draw a lot of positives from and that I'd be confident that Arteta would be able to look at the first half performance and how good they were and then in the second half that was when Lukonga came on for party and it felt like there was a little bit of a drop but at the same time they weren't exactly getting overrun by City. When you look at City on your fixtures before, there's been a kind of mindset that that's just two defeats that you've got to just presume that you're going to get. But based on what we've seen from Arsenal this season and from the match at the weekend, there's a lot more optimism than before, even though it was a 1-0 defeat.
1: Yeah, yeah I understand that. I suppose, how do you feel? Yeah, Do you, do you come out of that FA Cup loss feeling positive?
0: Yeah, I I think positive would be going too far, but it's not... It, you don't feel scared of City like you would in the past. They've looked beatable. They've not looked, uh, you know, incredible in attack as they have done previously. Um, they didn't have a lot of chances against Arsenal. You know, the, the goal that they scored was from Nathan Ake, and you're like, well... You know, you're probably fine with him taking shots, really. Like, it was a really well-taken goal. There wasn't, like, any glaring errors in Arsenal's performance, really. Um, So, yeah, it's advantage Arsenal as well, because they've got the lead in points, and if they don't avoid two defeats at City, then, you know, even that would feel like a positive.
1: Yeah, it would remain in your very much in your hands, I think, is the big thing there. You know, you, 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 you really you just have to not lose both games. Um which I, I think I think you're right. I think in terms of how the game actually sort of went as well, uh take if you, it's a great finish from Ake, but if you take that out of it, there's not first of all there's not much separating the teams. And also there was no I didn't really see anything where any patterns where you're thinking, right, okay, this is how City can exploit um a, a weakness in the arsenal press or this is how you know man city her can can over, totally overrun this this side of the pitch or something like that there was nothing like that that, that there was nothing that would be lingering that you is in the back of your mind as an arsenal fan going into the premier league games i think is is probably the big positive right um there's nothing where you're thinking well we can't let this happen again or you, you know um so I think that's a big positive. I think it'll be very interesting in the league. It'll be very interesting psychologically how Arsenal will actually deal with it, um, and how you know you, you'll you'll cope with the pressure at that point because it's. It, I I think you're right in that everything Arteta has done has been fantastic um, in terms of the the mood around the place, the way the the the, the way that you're playing football, the way you're winning games, uh, the, the young players that you're winning them with. But it does become very real, maybe when you're playing Man City, knowing that if you win this, you know like everyone's then everyone's already talking about Arsenal winning the league potentially, you know, and, and obviously being in that conversation with, with the form you've been on. Like we said last last week, you know, fifty after nineteen games, fifty points after nineteen games is, is centurion form. Um, but it would be interesting to see in that first game specifically how you do because it's very different to an FA Cup game all the right signs were in the FA Cup game but it'll be very interesting to see you know the the psychology of the team and how uh, i guess the mentality in that and and what these youngsters are made of Sam is uh, what I'll be fascinated to watch but it should be a should be a great clash and um very much looking forward to it as the neutral there as well
0: yeah, the the fact about Arsenal being the youngest team in the league and Arteta being a young coach, I think um, it, it'll be crucial to see how they react to that pressure because you can't re- really do a dry run for that pressure. You know, the FA Cup match is not going to be an indicator for anything like the mood will be in in either of the, the league matches.
1: Uh, exactly, it's like penalties. You can't practice the, the the atmosphere. You can practice penalties all you want, but you can't recreate the significance of that dead ball spot kick, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But the the positives as well is that um this Arsenal squad have been through similar situations before in the, these these pressure matches they had uh you know the crucial top four matches at the end of last season which they ended up losing. Uh you'd hope that there's been a lot of lessons learned for the young players from there. So uh yeah, just being optimistic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have to see how that develops. Are you still Arsenal to win the league?
0: Just they're, just. they're just just edging it now. I was like 50-50 for ages, but it's feeling feeling good at Arsenal. Well, what I would say from an optimistic point of view is that this Arsenal team is one that's on the up, and Arteta said that they're ahead of schedule, as it is. You know, the the goal is to get top four anyway, and you've you got to remember that Martinelli and Saka are 21, and... You know, there's so many young players in the squad that they're going to be hitting their peak in the next few years as well. You know, like Erdgaard and White, and whoever. So this is there's, true. There's reason to be positive. Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. It'd be crazy to start being negative and start thinking that it's now or never. Do you know what I mean? It's with the youth in the team, the experience is only going to help people. But um, sticking with Man City, but looking at the deadline day aspect, João Cancelo. Going to Bayern Munich out of out of flippin nowhere.
0: Well, he's not really looked good since, and including the World Cup. Uh, You know, people have been speculating about why it is, whether there's been a fallout or whatever. No idea. The guy was in uh, the PFA Team of the Year for two years in a row. You know, from last year and the year before. It's it's weird when these players have such a sharp drop off like that.
1: Yeah, I've seen a few. I've seen a few recently. Pep has been talking about sort of you can't you can't create that hunger and motivation. You can't artificially create that, you know. And when a team is one and one and one, and he's been at the top, and he's been so important. You know that sort of hunger and and motivation can't just be artificially created. So he's been talking about that in interviews. He talked. I, I saw some clips of him talking about how important it is to refresh to to refresh your squads. Um, big contrast to what we've done. We gave Henderson a a new deal, and now that's not looking like smart business. Um, I've got no issues with Jordan Henderson. I don't hate him in the way that certain fans do. Uh, I think he's. I think he's. Been a great captain, I think he's. I think he's great, but clearly, you know, he's not been the same this season as many players haven't. Um, and Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, when he replaced Roy Keane and things like that, I think he, you know, the way that you can keep sustained success is by having to refresh squads of of senior players who have achieved it all. Um, so I think that's been in the works, maybe anyway because of some of clips I've seen from Pep talking but um, yeah it's a bit of a shock one because of how key he, he was and it's it's difficult to stand out in, in that Man City team right and he was one of the players who definitely did partly because of his position and because of the sort of trend around full backs at the time anyway and he was a leading light in um, how you know, like revolutionary, you know, new new style of full-backs in that Trent, Reese, James, Cancelo mould. Um, but now look at the three of them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, think, I think it's a big shock, but I think there are some things that make sense. I think he has also been defensively been, been pretty questionable as well. And that's probably been going on for a while, but he's got away with it because, well... The, the attacking output
0: and and the little that he needs to defend. It's weird how it's like coincided with Rico Lewis coming in as well. He's just come out of nowhere. Like I don't think anyone really knew who he was before the world cup and now he's playing most games. For yeah. City.
1: And I think as a senior pro who's done it all and been in the PFA player of the year and stuff, he probably isn't too happy with that. Right. R- regardless if you're like a, you could be a model pro and everything, but Rico Lewis has been getting the nod in some big games um, against Spurs and things like that, you know, it's not just a case of rotation needed or, oh, we'll rest you a bit after World Cup. He's had, what, like three three appearances post-World Cup, I think it is, Cancelo. Um, and if you're a senior player who's looking, he, he's it's, it would be normal for there to be some sort of discussion that could lead to a fallout there. I think that would just be human nature, right? And maybe that isn't the case in terms of an actual fallout, but I think you wouldn't be happy about your minutes um, if, if that's the case. And they just gave him the number seven shirt as well. Do you think he'll be missed? Uh, oh, that is a good question. I think he'll be missed because who who wouldn't miss um, the creativity of, of of him, right? But when you look at the right-back options and how well Rico Luz has played, and then even if he didn't play, what you just play Carl Walker. It's not exactly an issue, right? Um, but Cancelo could play at left-back as well. And... Aki's been doing brilliantly at left-back because at the moment his full-back options are Rico Lewis, who is basically playing as a centre-mid, as a holding midfielder in build-up phase with sort of three centre-backs. So he's playing Nathan Aki as the left-back who who it kind of becomes a back three when they're playing out with Aki. Stones it was, but he's I think he's done his hamstring or quad or something. Um, but Aki at left-back but basically playing as a left centre-back with everyone shuffling over and the right-back in Rico Lewis sort of floating about in front of the back three and and offering sort of an extra... um, an extra body to play into to be able to create like a little diamond with a back three and, and the right back coming over and playing in front of it and basically building up with this diamond. Um, and I'm not sure that would really be Cancelo's game. There were times where he was playing as an inverted fullback, but he's always been incredibly productive and I think had his best games when he's been playing as like a, as a, as a flying sort of wing back essentially. And, right? um, so if you look at what pep is kind of doing and then and then if it's not rico lewis it's walker who's going to be a more aggressive sort of and a wider right back but also he's far more defensively sound so um i i can i can sort of see what why Cancelo might not fit in there. It seems crazy to say it with how many assists he could provide and things like that and how crazy he is, but you can sort of see if that's the plan. And I don't know if that's the plan because of Haaland was was so, sort of what I was thinking when I was watching Rico Lewis play in front of the back three. Um, I, I thought, is this a way of... Because Pep's obsession is what happens when we lose the ball and you're going to lose the ball far more if you have a striker who is running in behind, running the channels, looking for that final ball as well, looking for the final ball beyond instead of dropping in to link up and sort of get the whole team higher up the pitch. Um, There's going to be far more turnovers, far more transitions where you then have to defend. And I think if you have a full-back who is coming inside and covering your sort of three central defenders, you're probably better set up in central areas to sort of defend a breakaway against you. I just think maybe that's to do with the fact that they're playing with an out-and-out striker now. Um, And even sometimes with Alvarez and Haaland, you you need sort of compactness for when you lose the ball because you will lose the
0: ball more. Um, That's sort of where my head's at with it at the moment, but I think more needs to be watched. Just to give you Jao Cancelo's appearance stats uh, for the season, uh, just to illustrate, uh, he, he played more than 60 minutes in... 15 out of 16 matches before the World Cup. Um, Since the World Cup, he's only done that once out of six matches. Um, One of them, he played 22 minutes as a right-back against Leeds, and one of them, he played a half at right mid, apparently, against Chelsea. So, um, yeah, only, only the one, 90 minutes. Maybe, maybe we should have more winter breaks like this, where Pep's just left
1: alone in a room with his thoughts and none of his players, <laughs> and he just thinks and thinks and thinks until he thinks the best thing I need to do right now is have more control and sell all of my best players. You know, I'm, If it means that he decides halfway through the season to bin off Haaland and sell him, I'm, I'm down for uh, you know winter World Cups every year. All right. There was some other big news. Well,
0: Bristol City making me look like a fool, Sam. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that because uh, they beat West Brom 3-0 and that was my my big FA Cup upset, which wasn't really a massive upset, I guess. They're both in the championship. But uh, yeah, you said it would never happen and that they would never win and that Bristol City are rubbish. And that and I called uh, Nigel Pearson an ostrich as well. Yes, do you want to apologise to Bristol City and Nigel Pearson?
1: No, I wouldn't like to apologise. They've drawn Man City now, that's fun. Might see if I can get tickets for it, you know. Why not? Why not jump on the band? Is it at is it home? Yeah.
0: At the the Robin Stadium.
1: At Ashton Gates. Uh yes. Under <laughs> under the <laughs> suspension bridge. Well, not under directly under the suspension bridge. People aren't, like, parachuting off the suspension bridge into the stadium. Although well, you cool, probably though. could, I reckon. Um but I'm not an expert on parachuting either. Um but yeah, yeah, they host they host the big the biggest of guns, Sam, at the moment. So that's uh that's quite fun. What? You can go and watch
0: um surely the second biggest gun, aren't they? Well who are you saying are the biggest guns? The mighty gunners. The the gunners. They're, They're the
1: league. the gunnerest of all guns. Um, to focus on Bristol City, yeah, didn't see the game comprehensively beat West Brom though. And Bournemouth have now signed Antoine Semenyo who uh scored the equaliser in the first FA Cup game against Swansea in before the replay. He scored the equaliser to take to there. He's kinda of been the only bright spark in well, no, there's Alex Scott, actually that everyone's very excited about, plays in the England youth setup. Um and is a very talented player. But um Antoine semenyo has been been one of the, the decent ish players quite surprised he's gone to Bournemouth though to be honest with you um I think that's a step up too far I don't mean that's brilliant business by Bournemouth but hey we'll see I could be is he... wrong once
0: again <laughs> is he going to start I mean Bournemouth have just like all sorts of players it feels like there's no like standout at Bournemouth they're all just kind of there well, harsh? yeah, it's
1: kind of like they're, they're doing a bit of a mini Nottingham Forest or something. They were in for Zaniolo. Like, if they had got Zaniolo and Servenio in the same window, that would be, like, odd. That would be, like, you know... I mean, Zaniolo's obviously had two ACL issues and things, so there's there's there are some question marks there over what he could still produce, I suppose, and what kind of levels he could reach. But... Semenyo, I don't know. Semenyo looks he he's looks he looked decent. He's looked okay, but uh, you know, maybe in you know, are surrounded by better players he'll go up a gear. He's still young as well. Um a bit harsh to just write him off, but I'm I'm surprised that he's made such a step. what, what is he? What does he do? Where does he play? Oh, he's like a Antoine Semenyo, 23. He's like a yeah, he's like a winger, kind of like attacking midfielder. Um, sort of inverted forward, maybe, you could say. Um, decent physical presence, though. Can hold the ball up well, I would say, as well. Um, could play as a second striker. He's sort of like a... He He's like a creative, wide-slash-central player. Um, but I don't think he's got a huge output, but technical ability is decent. Uh, and... Decent physical attributes to hold the ball up, I would say, but the Premier League's a different a different beast, isn't it? You know, you can... It'd be interesting to see. But anyway, there's more transfer news than just Antoine Semenyo and Joao Cancelo, believe it or not. The big one, I suppose, is uh, Jorginho joining your boys over at Arsenal.
0: Yeah, well, it's not a transfer that you would have predicted coming, uh, especially when you consider the fact that he was third in Ballon d'Or. Uh just over a year ago, you know, if you you look at the Ballon d'Or, for well, yeah, the but most I, that, year. This,
1: that's 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 annoyed me the fact you're even referencing it, Sam.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, m- most, I think most fans would disagree with Jorginho coming third in Ballon d'Or that year, but there was a very a very strong and enthusiastic campaign for him. But I I, I looked at the the latest year's Ballon d'Or. Um, to compare to see who was third this year, and it would be like Arsenal signing Kevin de Bruyne uh, in a year's time. I'm just saying, like a year ago, no one would ever have thought Jorginho would be playing for Arsenal at that time. That is, you know, you would never say that de Bruyne would be playing for Arsenal. But maybe de Bruyne will have uh, an underwhelming season where he gets replaced by. Uh, Sergio Gomez, I don't know. Who knows?
1: But also I but 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 Jorginho was never the third best player in the world.
0: No, that is fair.
1: Like I get I get what you're saying, but but the fact that he came third in the Ballon d'Or is totally irrelevant anyway, because it, it, it it's not it's not true. It's not factual. Okay? I'm I don't care that the rankings put him third it's still not factual that he was the third best player in the world at the time obviously you needed depth to for for party right you obviously wanted to get caicedo yeah brighton put the put the foot down but i understand that Jorginho isn't bad business in the sense that it's 18 months it's pretty cheap deal um you know and it's a bit of depth in there I don't know. I think he's I think I don't I don't I'm not convinced by it at all. I I understand it as short-term business and I understand that the plan isn't for Jorginho to be key and to people a lot of talk about his football intelligence and stuff, so maybe I am just missing something. But I think in just terms of mobility, I just don't think he I don't think he can fill the gap in in as a as a lone sort of Six in there. I suppose you have got Shaka next to him. Is that is that really is does does that do you are you confident that let's say party goes out injured and Jorginho has to play
0: a lot of games? Are you, are you confident that still gets you over the line? Uh, it depends how far ahead Arsenal are because I think it would be a drop off. Um, I think it's just a really tricky state of the transfer market kind of thing where. Arsenal just needed like to get a body in because O'Nene is injured, and not a superstar or anything. Anyway, Sambi Lokonga is uh, inexperienced and doesn't look ready. So, you know, Xhaka and Partey, if they were to get injured, then Arsenal would be in big trouble. And you saw this last season, like I mentioned, when Arsenal um, lost Partey to injury and. They tried to get Douglas Luiz, which um, didn't happen, and then narrowly missed out on top four. Um, It's just a case of who would Arsenal possibly get in, and getting Jorginho for pretty cheap uh, on a pretty short contract. It feels like it's probably enough. It's like a 6 out of 10 signing. Um... Obviously, everyone would love Moises Caicedo or Declan Rice, but um, it's been very clear that these players are not available at the moment. So it's just making do with what you've got. It's a little bit like on Football Manager when you realise that you've got no options in in transfer market and you just buy an, an old player like who's been around the block. Yeah. Yeah. I did one with Arsenal where I bought a 36-year-old Milan Pjanic and, uh, you know, he couldn't move at all. I mean, I've got Bristol City, I've got Jonovi Mikel sitting there, so, you know. <laughs> it does a job if, if you're not relying on too much. And, you know, we're talking about Jorginho, like he's a dinosaur and the guy's 31. He's uh, outrun by, by refs and stuff, you know. I'm. I think for sure. What
1: what was that party recovery run uh, against Anthony? I'm just saying, Jorginho doesn't make that. Is and and look, a lot of players don't. I suppose so. Maybe it's unfair, but look, what he does bring is he he brings tactical intelligence, um, and the system already functions very well. So that does. I think, you know, that could mean that he looks good for eighteen months. Because if the if he understands, he's clearly smart, right, in a footballing sense, and he's played under Sarri, he's played under, you know, plenty of very intelligent managers. Um, it makes sense that Chelsea are offloading him before his his deal's up, and they've got Graham Potter, and there's a whole revolution going on over there anyway. And look, he brings a lot of, he does bring intelligence, he obviously can understand, I'm sure he could function well in a, in a good defined system, which is what Arteta has there. So there are, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's just a total, a total disaster of a signing. I I don't think it is, but my, my thing would be is, I suppose, is he, is he defensively solid enough or defensively robust enough to, to sort of be that holding midfielder for Arsenal um, in some, in some tougher games, in some tougher moments. And I'm not convinced by that, but then at the same time, hopefully he doesn't need to be because,
0: Party plays the big games and stays fit. Yeah, and you can you can rest Partey in the Europa League as well and sort of reduce that risk of injury where before he'd have to play every single game or it's it's Elneny instead who uh is fine but Yeah. Would if, you would you describe it as smart business? Uh it's more necessary business, I'd say. If Arsenal didn't bring in a player like Jorginho it'd be mm. Absolute nightmare end of the season where you just like stressing out about. And then okay, so on the scale of business and how we judge the business, the
1: business, <laughs> the business of the business ometer. It's not smart business, but it's like functional business. It's it's required business, right? Now it's not not smart as well. No, no, it's because the things stupid. we spoke about there do lead to it being you know partly smart. It's. It's not bottom set maths, right? It's 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 acceptably smart. <laughs> it's an average IQ business. But okay, and then my next question for you, how do you feel missing out on both Mudrick and Caicedo? You miss out on both. Fair enough Caicedo hasn't gone anywhere else so he could be picked up in the summer. But does that I mean Trossard to Mudrick and
0: Jorginho the Caicedo, where does that leave you, Sam? Yeah, so there, there there is a slight concern that you're not getting your targets. Um getting your first choice targets. Uh as difficult as it is to compete with Chelsea who can just seemingly spend as much money as they like. It's five hundred million this season if they get Enzo Fernandez in, which is a bit up in the air. Um Mudrick is not someone that I would have said is a priority signing um like we mentioned about Trossard last week is that uh, Martinelli and Saka are both really important and really young at the same time and getting uh, Mudrick is basically just an, another really young winger for nearly 90 million uh it Doesn't feel like the smartest way to spend that money compared to Moises Caicedo for a pretty similar price, it probably would have ended up being. Um, who again is 21 and um feels like exactly what Arsenal are looking for and would set them up long term. Um, because the difference with Arsenal is that the midfield, uh, Xhaka is 30 and Party's 29. Um these are the areas that need rejuvenating, like you spoke about with Liverpool, like getting in early. So, yeah, it's a shame to miss out on Caicedo. Mudrick is someone that I think all Arsenal fans have moved on pretty much instantly. It's not it's not someone that would have made a massive difference, whereas Caicedo is different.
1: Yeah, I think he was talked a lot about because of what he was posting. I don't think anyone was really, you know... Following too much of Shakhtar, right?
0: It's funny because he was watching like YouTube videos of him in an Arsenal shirt and with uh, jail cell bars around him. Uh, it, it was it was amusing to see someone that interested in in joining your club. casedo it feels like the door would be open in the summer as well, but then you know, you, it really depends on how casedo's rest of the season goes because. If he's as good as he has been, then everyone's going to be in for him. But, you know, everyone, I mean, like, you'd expect, like, Chelsea or Man United, teams like that, to be looking at him. Um, but if there's all sorts of problems at Brighton with him for the end of the season, or if even he doesn't play well, or if he gets a bad injury. Um...
1: But I don't think he can do much to ruin his price tag other than literally refuse to play.
0: I don't know what. What if he's just like not good? Like you know, they're not going to get ninety million. But he for will him be again, good. He will be good. But how much would he go for in the summer? It's like sixty million.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't see how he. I don't see how his value sort of goes down too much. To be honest, um, because I just think Brighton have so much to play for right now. So if it was a case where he was at like a. Okay, let's say Declan Rice and and West Ham were sort of mid tableish, and he started dropping off because his head had been turned. But they were like, they were bumbling around mid table anyway, and there was nothing to play for. Brighton have the potential to be, you know, they're, they're really good, they're, and they can cause problems to everyone. I think, and there's no reason why they can't sort of keep on kicking on. Not keep on kicking on, as if they're going to climb further, but they can stay in around that top six and keep the season alive. To then, to a point where there wouldn't just be dead rubbers that he wouldn't be disinterested in. Do you know what I mean? Look, we, we don't know the player. We don't know what that situation's ever going to be like. So, uh,
0: the th- Well, the thing is, the thing is, Caicedo has explicitly said he wants to win more titles than any other Ecuadorian player. And he's not going to be able to do that at Brighton. So, you know, come the summer, he's going to want to leave anyway. I, I, ca- I can't see people. Paying 90 million for Caicedo in the summer window. There's got to be better options than that.
1: Depends if Chelsea have signed them all already. Then that that might be all we've got left to scrap over.
0: That is a risk.
1: (laughs) It feels like a very real risk. Talking of Chelsea and uh, transfers, I thought you might have a little challenge for
0: me. Uh, Yeah, so this is our uh, dead rubber (laughs) week. This is our, uh, you know, wind down. Week, I guess. Uh, so, for a bit of uh, a bit of amusement, I'm going to ask you to try and name every player that Chelsea have signed this season. Are we talking not just January? Then we're talking summer and January. Mm, this season. So we mentioned Modric already. Uh, let's see how many you can get. I'm. Okay. Do you have comment. a number already of how many there are, or can I just not know that? So I'm saying there are 15 signings by Chelsea this season. Okay, 15. Let's
1: let's get to work then, hey. <laughs> so Mudrick Yep. Cucurella. Yep. Yes, of course. Um, B- B- mm mm-hmm. Mhm. 38 mil. Uh, is Enzo Fernandez in this? Uh, no, not yet. That's the
0: big uh, asterisk. Is. Pending paperwork. Noni uh, Noni Madueke, Mad- 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 yes, yeah. PSV the Football Manager uh, Wonderkid, the, um, the legend. Right. Okay.
1: I've 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 started to slow already.
0: Really. You can basically make an eleven out of them as well. They cover like all of the positions pretty much. Okay. They're so right back, we've got on what's, the, what's the
1: Leon? Uh, right back called. He's gone back
0: there on loan. G- Gasso or something. Gusto. Is he literally Gusto? Yeah, yeah. Malo Gusto. Okay. You're missing two centre backs. Missing. missing two centre backs. One of them was bought for 38 million euros. Uh, Koulibaly? Yep. And the other, does the other play? They've been injured. Okay.
1: The mind's going blank on the other centre back, so let's let's move on. It from was
0: there for, now. for a, no no. I'll tell you the fee. The fee was eighty million euros. Oh, for father. of course, of course. Yeah. The forgotten, the forgotten man. Because he's been very injured. So you've you've got the the back five, I'm saying. The, the midfield is not is not a midfield. So what we're well, playing? So. Badishele so. in goal, is
1: it? Yeah,
0: right. I, I'll tell you the goalkeeper for free because you've probably never heard of him. I think he came from the Chicago Fire for nine million euros. He's an 18-year-old. And they're dropping 9 million on Chicago Fire
1: 18-year-olds. Well, they, they are just spending for fun.
0: <laughs> Gabriel Slonina. Yeah, not a clue. <laughs> well, there's another 18-year-old that they've spent uh, 12 million euros on, transfer Transfermarkt, uh, from Vasco da Gama.
1: Uh, you're going to have to help me.
0: Andre Santos. With okay. A, with a Y. Not, not to be confused with... The left-back? the Yes, the heroic Castle left-back. Okay. There, um, there is another midfielder they got on loan for a modest loan fee.
1: Oh, Joao Felix.
0: It's not who I was thinking of. Well, he said modest and it wasn't modest and that's what made me think of it. But yes, Joao Felix is another, another January signing. Yeah. Where are we up to here then? So you're missing five signings. Uh, so there's a defensive midfielder that they bought whether well, they got on loan from Juve uh, who is Swiss
1: eh? A defensive midfielder on loan from Juve who's Swiss
0: Swiss with uh, DRC uh, second nationality it's twenty-five. Oh, uh, Zakaria. Yeah,
1: okay, remember yeah, him? Yeah, he's been good as well. I should've got him. Uh, he's actually played. Um,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know the uh, twenty-year-old Ivorian center forward that they bought from Mulder for twelve million euros? Not
1: really, but they, they <laughs> wasn't, where was um, Bariyashide Bad- Bad- from?
0: Monaco. Begins with a Mo. <laughs> Into the mo. <laughs> yeah, it was of course David Datro for Fana. I guess I could give you for because you already said. Yeah, that. if
1: I was being cheeky. Okay, okay, yeah, would have struggled with that definitely. Um, okay, now what are we looking at, Sam? Is that the strikers? So are we just on wingers and midfielders.
0: There is another centre mid that they bought for 18 million euros. Who is 18?
1: Give some clues, though. Give me some clues. Transfer. I want. I want transfer. English. 18, he cost 18 million and he came from where?
0: You'll get it instantly.
1: Oh, Chukwa, Chuk, Chukwuma, Chukwumaka.
0: Chukwuma-ka. Yep. Yeah. An attacker for 12 million euros who is 33.
1: Well, is that Abameyang? Was he in the summer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Aubameyang. Feels like he's been there for I a remember while. Remember him?
0: He was a Tuchel signing, wasn't he? And then, wow. Uh, played like one game under Tuchel. Okay so i think i think there's only one player left is he a fun one uh yeah 56 million euros oh that is quite a fun one um it's an attacker
1: a 56 million pound attacker. how can i not think of a 56 million pound attacker?
0: 27.
1: am i going to be kicking myself some
0: oh he's really famous I, I'm starting to worry that you might have said it already and I just ignored you. Surely
1: not. Surely not. No, I think the mind's just been blank. I think Todd Bowley's brainwashed me a bit. You know, £56 million pounds attacker. Who do they, so he must play then, if they're dropping that kind of money on him. Um, but who do they even play? What is Graham Potter's Chelsea team?
0: Oh... Well, they signed Raheem Sterling, but he wasn't 56 million. He was. What? According to TransferMarkt. Yeah. I mean, it really goes under the radar how much money, like, each transfer is. Like, you can do this with any club, and you're like, they spent that much on him? Like, just go back on Man United's transfers for the last 10 years, and it's really funny. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they, they've been a mess for the past 10 years. Wow. Okay. And uh, how, okay So then my question to you after all that How high do they finish next season? Uh,
0: I think I think a lot of it is alright business to be fair I think so, it might be, you know I think it really is <laughs> like Graham Potter's going to be
1: cooking next season I think
0: It's just fitting all of them in is the problem It's like, you know, how are you going to get Madweke to develop uh, and Chukwemeka to develop.
1: Yeah, how do you not block off the 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 progression? But I suppose if well, I say if anyone, as if Greenport has done it, but you know he's still there playing Lewis Hall at left left back, and he's still playing Chukwemeka He's getting decent minutes and stuff. um so hey, if anyone can, maybe Graham can, the magic man, Mister right nice. well, That was fun. Did 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 I impress you at all in that, or or not particularly?
0: Yeah, you did. You did okay. Did okay. I mean, it, could you grade me? Uh, B. A B. I'll take a B. I mean, there, I'll take a there's B. like a new a new Chelsea signing every week. Like they get linked with so many players that it's uh it's hard to. Keep track of who's who's gone there. It's tough stuff to keep up, you know. Have you seen that the UEFA are bringing in the uh, five-year
1: contract rule everywhere now? Yeah, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it's... it does, it does. It does. Um, but quite funny that instantly Todd Bowley's come in and just gone, yeah, we'll take him on an eight-and-a-half-year eight deal, and they've gone, whoa, <laughs> whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, we better do something about this. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well it's just the fact that the sales in the sales of players in terms of f. f. p count instantly whereas you know the amortisation of all these contracts i mean you can drag them out pretty much however log you want well yeah i saw i saw the Gallagher mm yeah if they i it sold Gallagher for forty mil it would have been the equivalent of two hundred and eighty million in in, in spending yeah right. for that year it's, Would uh, it give them the spending power of £280 million? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's meant Yeah, to. For, for this season. I mean, it doesn't feel right, so it's good that they're they're changing it.
1: We've got any last-minute deadline day deals coming through that we need to... Uh, Doherty... Did did Doherty go to
0: Atletico, Atletico yeah. Madrid? And Jed Spence has gone as well, hasn't he, to rent? Yeah, just get rid of all the fullbacks. backs yeah. But they've got Pedro Porro coming in. Jed Spence cost 20 million as well, remember? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how this adds up. The the, the one thing actually that does annoy me about the... It's another transfer loophole that Tottenham are doing, which is buying every single player as an obligation to buy. It's a loan with an obligation to buy. And I don't understand how that's different to buying them, apart from just being an accounting... Kind of swangling... <laughs> So what's the,
1: what's the, how do you mean then? What's What are they getting around? Does it mean that the fee doesn't kick in until the
0: next year? The, the Celso was on like an 18-month loan or something, and then they they paid the £56 million, I think it was, or £58 million after then. And they did the same with Romero, where it was an option to buy. Kudacevsky's not been bought by Tottenham yet because it was another loan. And now they're doing it with Pedro Porro, it seems. So it feels like this is another kind of, like Chelsea, kind of trick that should be looked at. I don't think you should have a loan with an obligation to buy because I don't think that's relevant unless the club like has some major <laughs> financial problems. Yeah. All right. Well, what's happening next week? The Premier League's back, isn't it? And maybe Enzo Fernandez will be playing, and maybe Sabitzer, maybe, uh. Salamendo, was <laughs> he called? Semenyo, Antoine Semenyo. S- Keep an eye out for him at Semenyo. Bournemouth. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to bring him into my fantasy team.
1: If that's not a reason to watch Bournemouth, I don't know what is.
0: Okay, well, we'll talk all about Bournemouth next week. Don't put that kind of pressure on us, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well, I'll, I'll see you then. See you then, looking forward to
1: the Bournemouth chat. Yeah, can't wait. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.